And good evening, everyone, and welcome to the Culinary Historians of Chicago. I'm Scott Warner, president of our organization, which has just marked its 27th anniversary. And in this pandemic age, we're still Zooming right now. Let's not waste a moment to get to our program today. Uh, not, I said not waste a single moment on food waste. And as the, or as the title of our speaker's latest book asks, Why Waste Food? And our speaker tonight, Andrew Smith, has been one who certainly let his, he has certainly hasn't let his career go to waste. Andy is the author or editor of 33 books and is the editor of the Oxford Encyclopedia of Food and Drink in America. He's, he's a, he teaches in New York. Uh, he's teaching online right now about all kinds of things about food writing. And, uh, and there's so much more that he has done that I could fill half the program by stating all of his accomplishments. Well, don't stop. Oh. <laughs> well, I, I was, I was, he's, he, well, I'll, there, there's a little bit more. There's That's a okay. reason why Andy has talked to our group more than a dozen times in the last quarter century. And we're so glad to have him back again tonight, or as Mae West said, too much of a good thing can be wonderful. And he's also the editor of a, a whole series of books right now from Re Reaction, is that how it's pronounced? Reaction, Fred? yeah. Reaction, and uh, as he said, he's written 33 books. Uh, he's done an awful lot. He's one of my biggest mentors ever. So, uh, so Andy, come on down. And I think, did I, did I just say this? As Mae West said, too much of a good thing can be wonderful. So Andy, take it away. I like that. That's very good. I can use that. And, and Andy, Here's, do you want to tell people about the whole chat thing? So about the question. Oh, yes. Uh, yes at sorry. any time, you are cordially welcome to interrupt me and have a question. And you can ask Catherine, and she will interrupt me and go ahead with it. I actually prefer that uh, when you have a question and you have a comment and you want to make it. It's 10 times better just to, to, to move on with it. And that's OK by me. So Catherine, you will organize this and let me know by putting your finger up. Is that it? Or do something? You'll tell me in or some I'll fashion. boldly interrupt. How's that? Boldly I interrupt. Know. I, I okay. Can so I just uh, wanted to start off that uh, 25 years ago, I had two books published, one on history of tomatoes and one on the history of ketchup. And I decided that I was now an expert on food history. So I would write to the, the culinary historians of Chicago and say, I'd like to do a presentation. So this is my 25th anniversary. It's my silver anniversary. And I was expecting maybe, you know, some silver coming along with that, maybe a dime or a quarter or whatever. In any case, um, I've loved the culinary historians of uh, Chicago, and I greatly appreciate all your invitations and my uh, chance to talk about what I've done. Uh, I have uh, fallen in love with food waste. Anybody else fall in love with food waste? Do we have anybody there? It's a great topic. And for the last five or six years, I've spent a lot of time on it. And uh, allow me to announce now that I have a bibliography of more than a thousand pages that I'm most willing to share with everybody. I'm absolutely serious. It's got organizations, it's got um, treaties, it's got days, it's got all sorts of things. And all you got to do is email me afterwards. And Catherine has my email and she'll post it afterwards. I, I'm, I'm most willing to uh, give it to anybody and take any comments that people have about the topic. Why did I fall in love with food waste? The first is there is absolutely no one who says they want to waste food. Anybody here want to waste food? 
Republicans. So, and it's the one of the few topics where both Democrats and Republicans actually agree. Uh, the uh, number of programs that have been launched in the last few years uh, that really started about 25 years ago and um, virtually all of the um, presidents uh, in the last uh, five, 25 years have supported programs that try to reduce food waste. And so therefore it's a great topic for me. Um, the other reason why I became excited about it, virtually every part of the food system is connected with food waste. So therefore, for me, it's absolutely perfect. I will be raising issues uh, that are connected with food waste that I won't talk on at length, uh, but you're cordially welcome to ask me a question and I'll press on it. So number one, what, um, is, as I'm sure most of you know, who have uh, read a host has spotlighted your video for everyone. Okay. Um, as many of you do know, the best estimate is 30 to 40% of the food that is raised for human consumption is wasted. So let me say that does not include food raised for ethanol production. That does not include food raised for um, animal uh, consumption. That does not include all the seafood that is wasted by our fishing fleets uh, around the world. So it is a massive amount of food that is uh, edible that, that it is wasted. And the question is, uh, why is that and how can we reduce it? And those have been the issues for the last 40 years or so. Uh, so one, there's two different subjects that are related. One is food loss uh, and food loss is mainly an issue of, de of developing countries. Uh, it's, it's food that is good food that can't make it to the market because there's no transportation system. Uh, it can't, um, uh, it ends up in storage facilities and the storage facilities can't keep it uh, cold so that it is destroyed or lost in the process. Uh, it is farms that can't, uh, can't um, harvest their, their product because they don't have the right equipment or because the equipment fails or because they don't have a transportation system that will get it to where the people want it. That's food loss. Food loss occurs also in developed countries, but the main concern here and the main concern I'm going to be focusing on uh, is food waste. Food waste is good food that is edible food that is tossed out. Uh, it is tossed out for a whole variety of reasons, and we'll be discussing that in the next um, half hour or so. Uh, and I look forward to your comments on it. Now, uh, food loss, uh, let me go through some of the things that's obviously there. It can be due to weather, it can be due to bugs, it can be due to lack of workers at the right time, it can be due to equipment breakdowns, it can be due to soil depletion, it can be due to storage issues, it can be due to transportation. Food waste, on the other hand, is food that by any standards is edible and is simply tossed out. So uh, let's do a brief history of that. Um, and um, if you look at virtually every historical work, everybody will talk about food loss and food waste uh, from religions, which all make a statement saying it is wrong to waste food into all sorts of other uh, topics. Any cookbook, how many of you have looked at a cookbook uh, that is more than 100 years old? Uh, you will find in virtually every single cookbook that is there, you will find ways of saving food that is um, you use to prepare uh, food or you using it to uh, prepare it in some fashion. Historically, there were large numbers of ways that you could save food that are discussable. I've got a cat that's trying to jump up here, so that'll happen shortly. I got it. 
Okay, so there are lots of preserving techniques that have been developed over the last uh, three or 4,000 years. Drying is one, you can dry food and, and have, pres have preserved, you can heat it and smoking it. Uh, anybody, if you looked at uh, some of the early um, uh, American Indians and the Seminole Indians for, and the Rarawak Indians, for instance, in Florida, they will show you fish being um, uh, smoked and heated at the same time over uh, a large um, area. And so the food is dried and can be preserved for a prolonged period of time. Uh, cooling. Now, basements were what were used for cooling, but they had a huge ice system that was also developed uh, in, in the 19th, early 19th century, the late 18th century. You actually would go cut ice in uh, New England, for instance, and, and you would ship it down to um, to Louisiana or to Virginia. Uh, and so this massive amount of art, uh, ice was saved. For those of you that uh, don't remember your uh, climatology uh, during that period, it's a little ice age that continues up until almost the mid part of the 19th century. So it was easily possible to move things from one place to another. Ice was one. Uh, salting was another way of preserving food. Alcohol was another way. Uh, you could bury the food. How many of you buried food lately to preserve it? A couple of you have. We'll, we'll need to talk with you, Kathy, a little later about, about that. Uh, but uh, by the way, just so you know, um, Annette Fromm said these images are the people who predated the Seminole, the Timaquans, the Tequesta, the Calusa. Not quite yeah. sure what she meant, but I, she, she just highlighted that. But There's a couple a large, of other things. Hmm? Yeah, go ahead. No, I'm just telling you. Okay. Uh, so uh, bottling uh, was one system that was used and early in the 19th century, uh, you began to have systems where you, if you boiled your food, put it into a bottle, put, um, put um, something on the top to prevent uh, access to air, uh, and, uh, and then you could preserve that. Uh, and that was another way of preserving it historically. Uh, you could also feed animals, which is what has gone on today. You could also compost your food um, and you could put it in a great uh, iron kettle. Uh, there are these stories about people who had iron kettles in their fireplaces for 40 years. And whenever they had extra food left over from a meal, they would just put it into the kettle and then the kettle would be the beginning of the meal for the following day. So there are all sorts of things that um, went on that, uh, historically that people uh, could uh, preserve food. Uh, now, what began in the late 19th century, early 20th century is the industrialization of agriculture. Other, other circumstances, I would start saying how horrible all the uh, industrialization was. Uh, but in this circumstance, all I can do is say massive amounts of food are produced by industrial agriculture. So you have mechanization of agriculture, you have um, you have fertilizer production, you have pesticides, you have herbicides, um, and you've got uh, all sorts of other ways that have dramatically increased production on food. In 1900, an estimated uh, amount of 42% of income from uh, family income was spent on food. Uh, today, it's, it's about 6% of family income is spent on food consumed in the home. So you have a dramatic reduction in the amount of money that people are paying for food. That final figure, the 6%, does not include food consumed outside the home. Uh, and in this case, it's another 6%. So about 12% total of the, of the money that we have today of our take-home pay is in fact used for uh, our food consumption. So whether you like the industrial food system or not, and other, other circumstances, I'd be arguing against it. Uh, but all I can say is it is a massive 
production. So the food system in the United States produces more food than uh, even if we fed every single person in the United States properly, the United States could also feed the vast majority of people who are suffering from malnutrition and hunger abroad. Uh, so you've got a huge system of industrial agriculture that is doing this. There's lots of problems with it, but at least those are some of the things that um, have gone on, which made it uh, more easily, uh, uh, it made it more likely that uh, we could waste food and toss it out rather than have to worry about it because it's low cost. Uh, so that's one of the major issues that have come up. Uh, now, you also um, have in the home, you have all sorts of changes that have gone on in the home in the last uh, 100 years. And part of them are that um, we've lost many of the skills that we would have had 100 years ago in terms of how you prepare food. Kathy? Yes. Um, Terry Lowinger said, are there estimates of food waste before the industrial food system was developed? No. The earliest one that I could find is 1900. Okay. Uh, and most and most likely it would have been much higher prior to that time. So uh, I mean I'll check and see if I can find something on that. And if I if you email me, Kathy's got my email. I'll do the best I can to search that out. His so, email is at the top of the chat. Okay. So uh, there are lots of early uh, food waste uh, solutions. One is to compost, which uh, we'll talk about a little later. The other are feed your animals now. Um, I'm sure Chicago didn't do this, but New Yorkers, um, uh, until uh, 1860, we had pigs roaming around our streets that all you had to do was throw your food waste out the window and the pigs would come by and eat it. Now you're looking at me in a shocked way. I don't think this is unusual. It is something that you could throw out all sorts of other things and the pigs would eat that as well. Uh, but that was one system that uh, was developed to deal with food waste. Um, and uh, and beginning in the about the mid part of the 20th century, uh, you had you began to have landfill, and landfill uh, was developed because you you began to have problems with the other ways of dealing with food waste. Uh, now, New Yorkers not only gave it to pigs, but if you had a lot of food waste and you had a lot of garbage, all you did was go out to the ocean, 100 miles, just dump it into the ocean. I know Chicago would not have done anything like that. You would not have gone out to uh, Lake Michigan and dumped the food in there, but probably other people did. So it was the way to deal with it before you had landfill. Landfills came online about um, uh, 1930, and, uh, and today landfill is the major way of dealing with waste in large part because of environmental issues, which we'll talk about shortly. Uh, but landfill has a lot of serious problems with food waste. The first is if you dump organic matter and you pile it on uh, dirt on top of that, it will be a major production of methane. Methane is about 30 times more harmful to the environment than um, carbon dioxide, which would typically be what you would have if you do not bury the food in the first place. So that uh, environmental issues will be one of the issues that that become an important part of, um, of trying to deal with food waste. And that will come online about uh, 1970, 1980. Kathy? Yep, uh, two things. Nancy O'Donnell said, I heard people would dump in a no longer usable outhouse. I guess dump food. You'd dump everything wherever you wanted to, but the problem is the outhouse would get 
full at one point, you got to deal with it. So unless you have some way of getting getting it out of the outhouse, uh, you only have so much space that I would think of. But typically, I mean, if you didn't have an ocean, you had a you had a river, you toss it in the river. If you didn't have an ocean river, you just went outside the city limits and dumped it out there. So there were lots of systems prior prior to landfill. Um, and it is landfill that will be a major cause of why people have become concerned about food waste, partly due to the environment. All right, so the food system increased not just because of industrial agriculture, but also because of mechanization. Uh, you would Historically, you would have had a horse uh, on your farm or multiple horses and horses would help you do the harvesting. But the problem is you had to feed the horse all 12 months, not just during the time in which you needed the horse. And so 20 to 30% of what you in fact harvested would have to go to feed the horse and feed other animals that would be used in terms of harvesting and other production. So uh, you had improved transportation system that also occurred during the 20th century and you had improved packaging. Now we can argue about packaging and I don't know if I'll get to plastic and other packaging systems for food, uh, but if we don't, you can ask a question and I'll deal with it. During the 20th century, you had three times in which food waste became extremely important. The first was during World War I, the second was during World War II, and the third was during the Arab oil uh, boycott in uh, 1973. And in all, all cases, uh, there was huge campaigns that were uh, initiated by all governments, but including our federal government on stopping. There's great posters, there's all sorts of other uh, uh, material on it. But as soon as the wars ended and the Arab oil, oil boycott uh, ended, uh, you immediately had people going back to uh, increasing waste uh, within the food system. Now, one of the problems with the industrial food system, it is dependent on oil. And the Arab oil boycott uh, illustrated that. As soon as the price of oil skyrocketed because of the boycott, then you have to have huge food prices that were increasing. The same thing began to happen in the early 21st century. For whatever reason, the price of oil increased and as soon as the price of oil increased, so did the price of food. So uh, in uh, uh, 2008, you had the highest prices for food ever uh, in not just in the United States, but in virtually every country. And those countries that were uh, not suffering from weather related issues that occurred at the same time uh, were um, not, uh, um, they were not exporting food. And so you had a whole series of, of other issues that were going on simultaneously to make it more difficult to do this. Now, what do you do uh, with uh, excess food? Uh, you have so much of it, what are you gonna do with it? Uh, Europeans created a, um, a system after World War II of doing the best they could to, to uh, take food from where the farmers were producing it and transporting it uh, and making it available to people who wanted it and who needed it. So you had this system that was developed after World War II uh, that occurred in, in Europe. Uh, and the United States did not develop that. And it really wasn't until the 1960s that you began to have massive concerns uh, with food and hunger issues. So that is one of the issues that how is it possible for a country like the United States that produces more food than could feed every single person in the United States and a large number of people outside the United States? Why is it that you have malnutrition and hunger in the United States? Uh, and that issue has not been solved, uh, but one of the ways that uh, began to move in that direction were the development of food banks. And uh, I think the first food bank in the United States was in the 1980s. 
and now virtually every community has a food bank or it has other mechanisms that will take uh, food that would typically be wasted and would ship that uh, to uh, uh, those uh, dissemination mechanisms that are out there, and there are a number of others. So you have these shifts and changes that are going on during this period of time. Now, environmental concerns came on also about the same time in the beginning of the 1980s that uh, you had a concern on what food waste did to the environment and the concerns that were there. Uh, so um, the whole idea of a circular system developed at that point. And the circular system was, uh, there's no such thing as waste. The idea of waste is you have a beginning and you have an end and you have a product that goes through this and whatever junk at the end is tossed out. In the circular system, what is waste is in fact used as a uh, commodity for producing something else. And we'll talk about upscaling in a minute, but that's one of the concerns that were there. So upscaling led to the third thing. Why be concerned about food? Number one, feed people. Number two, save the environment. Number three, make money. How many of you are in favor of making money? Anybody in favor of making? A couple of you are raising your hand. Uh, we need to talk with you about, about not making any money here uh, as an issue. But those are the three major concerns on why food waste has become an important topic. All right, I want to look um, quickly at, um, at some of the uh, parts of uh, food waste. Uh, number one, uh, food waste begins on the farms and it goes all the way through to the consumers. As you will find out, it is the consumer that is the largest uh, source of food waste, but we'll discuss the reasons for that in a second. Uh, food waste begins on the farm. Uh, how many of you have been on a farm? Uh, have anybody been on a farm? Uh, I, I strongly encourage everybody to go out on farms. Uh, for produce, for instance, in particular, you have people who are harvesting produce. If there is any problem with a, with a tomato or with an apple or with an orange, uh, it's not picked. It's just left on, uh, the, left on the vine or it's, it's tossed out and typically would be, um, um, it would be plowed under and used for compost. Uh, but it's good food and there's nothing wrong with that. Uh, so produce that is, does not meet standards that in this case, uh, large numbers of supermarket chains and grocery stores sell the produce uh, in a particular way, um, it will not be harvested to begin with. And uh, typically it's not used. So that's now called ugly, ugly produce. How many of you are into ugly produce? Uh, there's, if you go into a store and you see an, an apple, for instance, that has a brown spot in it, and it costs the same thing as an apple that does not have a brown spot in it. How many of you are going to get the brown spotted apple? <laughs> You're not going to do that. So obviously, it's in the store's interest to get rid of the uh, apple. We'll talk about that in a few seconds, too. So one, you've got a lot of waste that occurs on the farm. Uh, if you if it can't sell it, there's no sense in harvesting it. Uh, there's lots of other problems uh, with farm production. Um, and um, it's, um, it's issues that are uh, uh, connected with uh, storage systems and transportation and how do you transport the food uh, to get it in the right place at the right time. Uh, and there are all types of issues that are associated with that. Uh, so one, food waste begins on the farm. It also begins in cities, by the way. Uh, how many of your cities have trees that are either fruit bearing or uh, are, are nut bearing? Uh, there's no, nothing wrong with, us, with, with eating the food that comes out of that. And there are now organizations that are engaged in gleaning. How many of you are aware of gleaning? 
cleaning is historically the way that farmers dealt with food that was left over that for one reason or another was not harvested. Uh, at the end of the harvest season, farmers would invite people from the local community, particularly those in need, they would come, they would be able to take whatever they wanted, whatever they needed from the farm and move it on out. Today, gleaning uh, operations uh, are active in virtually every city in America. Uh, they, it is typically the food bank people who will, when a farmer invites them to come out, will organize a system where they will go out to the farm, they will pick uh, food that is not harvested, particularly fruits and vegetables, and they will then bring it back to the uh, food bank uh, and they will either try to, try to distribute distribute it as it is, or alternately, they will do the best they can to convert it into a product that they can distribute. Uh, and a large number of food banks are now actually producing food in addition to just giving food away uh, to others. So that was one problem that occurred on farms, and that was one way to deal with it. Uh, second, uh, there's massive amounts of uh, food uh, wasted on uh, manufacturers and, and uh, food producers. Uh, in this case, it's just food that's left over. If you've been to a brewery, 95% um, of the grain that goes into a brewery is not made after you've used it to make your beer. Um, you, you, it's, it's no longer of any use. And so typically it was thrown out or where possible, uh, large breweries uh, gave the uh, uh, grain uh, that's been uh, used, gave it to farmers uh, either for feed or for use as fertilizer. Kathy? Uh, can, so uh, can you speak to the topic, if you can't sell it, there's no sense to harvest it. Is that the only, tr is that only true on the mega farms that constitute agribusiness? And how do we change the corporate mindset? And that was Lori Howick. Uh, it's true on virtually all farms, whether they're corporate farms or not. If you can't sell the food, there's no sense in harvesting it. And so even small farmers have the same issue. So if the, if the fruit or vegetable is not the right size, or if it's not saleable by their normal mechanism of doing it, then that's an issue. So why, why are you going to harvest something that you can't sell uh, and it's only at a certain time that uh, you figure out you can't sell it. And so might as well invite people come on uh, and process it. Now, most of the gleaning operations, um, I mean, it's a problem for food banks because you never know when a farmer is going to give you a call and say, we need, you know, come out and do the harvesting now. And so the, the part of the problem is you, the food banks have to organize the system to go out and get the uh, remains of what is not harvested, uh, bring it in, and they may have a massive amount of tomatoes, or they have a massive amount of apples, or they may have a massive amounts of other fruits and vegetables in particular. And so how do you do that? So it isn't, it isn't just large farms, um, it's small farms too. And, um, and, I, and, and usually the large farms have a system of dealing with that. So um, I went on some farms that dealt with Heinz and they made uh, ketchup out of it. Um, they, they had a system where everything that didn't go into making ketchup, uh, they had a secondary process where they made other products with it. So it wasn't, it made no difference whether the tomato was big or whether the tomato was small, they could, they could process it and use it in their commercial operations. So it isn't necessarily large farms that do that, but we'll come back to some of the solutions because there are lots of good solutions on farms. I'm just trying to raise the issues at this point. Number two, um, 
if you go to food processors, you can begin to see that there's massive amounts of food that is not used or edible products that are not used. Uh, and uh, the, the second part to this is companies have um, a way of uh, encouraging you to buy the buy food and use it up. Uh, and this is, yes, Kathy? Uh, it was Carol Schwartz. Why don't farms take ugly produce and sell that as component produce, meaning a secondary product? I don't know. But by the way, I drive out to farms when I'm canning tomatoes and I buy all the ugly stuff that they would not otherwise sell. But that's just me. Well, there are lots of programs that are underway now that are beginning to do exactly that. And uh, there are programs now that are actually making money on going out to farms, getting the ugly produce and selling it. Uh, and you can buy it uh, now in stores. So we'll, we'll talk about some of the, the ways of solving the problem in a second. But I'm just trying to point okay, out sorry. what, why are there, why is there the problem? And, and, and then uh, to take a look at some of the solutions that are out there. But um, with regard to uh, production, uh, there are many things that you can do. So with the grain from uh, beer processing, you can make bread out of it. How many of you into bread made, made from beer uh, grain uh, that's been used up? Nope, none of you are interested in that. No reason on why it can't be used for it. Now to make it even more bizarre, uh, if you go into a supermarket, uh, supermarkets that uh, in fact have uh, bakeries will keep the bakery open as, as long as they possibly can because the aroma of the food uh, that is baked smells so good that it keeps customers there. So sales increase when you have a good aroma in your, in your supermarket. Uh, and at the end of the evening, then when the store closes, there's tons of bakery products left over. Guess what you can do with day old bread or day old pastries? You could make beer out of it. So the, the answer is there's all sorts of things that you can do, but you've got to be aware of them and you've got to be willing to, to move ahead on them. And we'll talk about that in a few seconds. So you, there are all sorts of things that you can do that are underway uh, that are important. Uh, major uh, food loss and waste has occurred in, in supermarkets. Uh, and in part because of some of the issues that we have. For, hold it, I forgot. Uh, one of the reasons on why we all throw out food is because of the dates on it. How many of you actually look at dates, the, uh, the dates of food? You don't look at dates of food, Scott does, okay. Uh, so you have different dates on it uh, and uh, there are 61 different systems of determining whether the food is good to eat or not. Uh, and so this has caused a huge amount of confusion for virtually anybody who goes and buys food and doesn't quite understand the system. The good news is that uh, at least uh, in developed countries, there's this now general agreement among most food producers uh, to create a two system dates. One is best if used by, and the other is must be used by or some something equivalent to that. So that one, you, um, have food that doesn't have to, uh, you could use it even after best buy data is passed. Some, what's surprising to me um, is that uh, some food uh, doesn't make any difference how long you have it and yet there's a use by date on it anyway. Uh, it's in 
the producer's self-interest to have early dates on both of those. It's in their self-interest because one, uh, if you throw it out, you're going to have to go buy some more if you like it. Uh, and, and number two, uh, if um, uh, you're going to consume it quickly, and so therefore you're going to go buy some more. Uh, and uh, number three, uh, if there's a problem with it, they can't be blamed because they've got the date on it. So the, it is in the self-interest of those who are producing food, in fact, to have the dates there and the dates that um, many most of us pay attention to uh, but there's not necessarily a lot of evidence behind all the all of the dates that uh, are on the foods that we uh, purchase and consume uh, so uh, next uh, supermarkets um, uh, can i interrupt just on that sure. little topic sure i'm I, I i had a friend her children went through her refrigerator at night her they were in bed took everything out that they said was expired food and put it into the car and drove it to a remote location to throw away because they didn't want their parents to retrieve it. And there was nothing wrong. It was like pickles and all sorts of things where, yeah, it says use by, but you can sniff it, go, ah, it's still fine and eat it. And there's like this strata of you're wrong and you're right. I mean, there's this, it's very difficult. During the last uh, century, we've had a tremendous loss of cookery skills so that it's, our, our country and most developed countries have been de-skilled in terms of cooking. And so most of us don't have the experience that our grandparents or great-grandparents would have had and how to use the products that are there in a safe way. And so beginning in the 1970s, um, if in doubt, throw it out. How many of you throw out stuff, even if you have no idea whether it's good or not? Uh, the problem is, in, historically, uh, our predecessors would have known exactly what was good and what was bad by, uh, by odor, aroma, and texture, and other products. So consequently, we've lost all that. Uh, and uh, if you look at our whole food system, the food system has moved from something that was, uh, people were extremely knowledgeable on uh, particularly women, but not limited to that, we're extremely knowledgeable on what could be used, how it could be used and how to save it and how to preserve it. Uh, again, my grandparents threw out nothing. I mean, literally my grandmother had something for everything. So if you ate, a, ate an orange, not a problem, <laughs> take the peels, mar marmalade. We had more, more bottles of marmalade than I care to talk about uh, and weren't necessarily all consumed by us. Uh, but literally she saved everything. And the few things that she couldn't save were all composted. So you have this system that would have existed um, uh, that did exist, uh, you know, 50 or 100 years ago that we've all lost. We Most of us have just lost the ability to do things. Also, when you're in an apartment building on the 16th floor, it's kind of hard to compost. Possible to do, but it's hard to do that. So lots of the techniques that our parents or grandparents used uh, are difficult to do uh, to, in order to uh, save the food that we have. All right. So uh, supermarkets come along, uh, and again, it's a 1930s option, and, they, and the reason on why they were extremely successful is the price of food is extremely low. Uh, now, um, uh, supermarkets uh, have the lowest amount of profit uh, of, of any part of the food system. Supermarkets make about 1% to 2% maximum of, on the total food that they sell. So uh, 
it isn't a very profitable business and large numbers of supermarkets are now in great difficulty because they're not making enough profit. So their goal is in some fashion, they wanna encourage you to buy more food. And if you ever looked at how a supermarket is organized, it's organized that uh, milk is gonna be in the far back. Uh, anything that is typically that you wanna buy is gonna be, it's gonna force you to walk by all of the other things that you don't want. Um, or that you are get excited about when you pass it, etc. So their goal is to get you to buy more food. So uh, they have uh, buy one, get one free. Anybody bought one, got one free. Uh, none of you use Bogoff. Uh, I mean, the problem is <laughs> after the first one is down, do you really want the second one? Uh, and oftentimes it ends up on the um, in the trash and so you toss it out. So uh, supermarkets don't make a lot of profit and their goal is to make as much um, sales as they possibly can. And they do that through placement, they do it through advertising and promotion, and they do it through a lot of other ways of doing it. Um, restaurants are another major source of waste. And you have uh, two major sources for waste. One is uh, the, uh, the, the in the back, uh, supermarkets buy, or excuse me, restaurants buy the wrong food, they buy too much of something, customers don't buy it, uh, so they end up tossing it out. Um, they make mistakes in the back and they toss it out. I mean, all sorts of reasons on why in the back of the house, those are problems. In the front of the house, it's us that are doing the major parts of wasting. Uh, in part, restaurants do the best they can to have massive amounts of food supersizing, None of you have ever bought anything supersized, have you? None, I can see that right now. Uh, so uh, supersizing uh, isn't just uh, formally of McDonald's, but it also occurs in lots of other things. And we buy this food uh, in uh, supposedly doggy bags. Now, doggy bags are more successful in the United States. They are not, not necessarily successful in other countries, but they have better names for them in other countries. Uh, so uh, in France and Italy, for instance, uh, I found it shocking when I was, when I would, when I lived there and asked for doggy bag, there's a strange look on people's face. Why are you doing something like that? Uh, so lots of different issues that are going on there, but um, those are some of the solutions on, on uh, restaurant waste. Kathy? Okay, um, uh, it was suggested that maybe restaurants should have a recycling program to deliver leftover food to the pig producers. To the who producers? Pig. pig. Oh, pig producers. Yeah, well, many- Selling anything. Uh, uh, in theory, restaurants just don't have the time and effort to separate things and, and figure out what to do. I mean, just just like they're a small concern and they've got only so much time, they've got so much effort. But now um, uh, it has become a law in a number of communities. So for instance, in San Francisco, you can't throw food away anymore. Uh, it's gotta be given for composting. It's gotta be given for um, animal feeding. And a number of restaurants, for instance, now have relationships with farmers so that the food waste that they have is, is transported out to the farm. The farmer uses it either to feed animals or to compost. And then the restaurateur buys the food from the farm that have been used by the compost. So you've got programs that are underway of, about restaurants and how you can deal with it. But again, restaurants are small. And um, uh, you know, how do you move the food from one place to another, food wasted from one place to another is a difficult thing. Kathy, another question? It's more of a comment probably, but as I understand that pre-pandemic NYC, you know, New York City restaurants gave leftovers to NGOs, non-government entities for the homeless. 
many restaurants do that, and you now have uh, one one of the solutions to that is um, there are now apps uh, that you can use that restaurateurs will give you uh, 50% off if you buy the food in the last hour before they close. Uh, so yeah. if they produce too much, you can use the app. And my students use the apps. They get really good food at relatively low cost uh, because they can order it at the last, uh, the last part of the evening. So if you made too many uh, chickens or you made too, too many other foods and you need to distribute it, you can go on these apps uh, and virtually every community now has uh, several different apps that you can use that will do that. Kathy? Okay, and France and Japan now mandating restaurant doggy bags uh, gets people over entrenched attitudes. Uh, yes, but they aren't, aren't as successful as they would like to be, but they've done massive amounts of promotion and encouragement. Uh, and, and again, I, you know, the doggy bag is good. If you're getting a doggy bag and you're going home and you can put it in your refrigerator, that's fine. But what happens if you're, if you're going to work and you don't have a refrigerator or you're going to do something else? You might take the doggy bag with you, but it most likely is going to end up being tossed out um, in the end because you just don't have the system that you need in order to preserve it. So there's, there's uh, doggy bags are great. Uh, many countries are requiring restaurants to offer them. They don't necessarily have to be using them. The more interesting systems on restaurants, by the way, is some restaurants now charge, charge patrons if you don't eat the food. So there's a fee at the end of the meal. If you don't eat it, and you don't take it away. You're going to have to pay an extra cost uh, for the food waste. So there's lots of different systems that have been developed uh, for restaurants to at least begin to deal with those uh, and certainly giving food away uh, to uh, those in need. And many restaurants do have relationships with food banks uh, and, um, and with, with groups that will distribute the food. Uh, and as I said, virtually all restaurants now have a connection with one or more app that will help you buy food at lower cost if when they overproduce. So that's one of the good things that uh, have gone on and is available. Just, Kathy? A, just a quickie, uh, Evanston's yep. climate action plan is aiming at zero, Evanston, Illinois, is claiming uh, at zero waste by 2050, but still doesn't have systems in place for purchasing of recyclable containers for leftovers, recycling compost systems for the restaurants that have survived COVID, which who knows how that's going to work out. Uh, COVID is uh, an interesting topic, and and I'll I'll try to deal with it a little later. But uh, yes, th there are all sorts of, uh, of er virtually every large supermarket chain. Uh, and many restaurants, uh, many food uh, processors, uh, all have proclaimed that by 2030 or by 20, 2050, they're going to reduce food waste to zero. And a number of companies, by the way, have come very close to that already. So it's not as though they're not willing to do it. Most companies see it in their self-interest to do. And it's in their self-interest for two reasons. One, it gives them good PR so they, they can announce it. Uh, I, don't, I doubt if any of us are going to remember <laughs> those who promise that they're going to reduce their food waste in 2050. Uh, so uh, it may be that they will change that uh, as they move along. Uh, but the second thing is uh, at least uh, some supermarkets now can make money uh, and, uh, and some restaurateurs can make money by distributing the food that they have. At a minimum, they get a tax deduction and they can potentially uh, uh, make other 
uh, sources of, of PR, good PR for them, et cetera. So there's lots of reasons on, on why um, our commercial food system is interested in reducing or eliminating waste. Kathy? Yep. Uh, Joel Smith said Goose Island Brew Pub, when it was still owned by the Halls, uh, used one whole hog every two weeks for its food menu, and their dedicated downstate hog farmer would deliver the hog, carry away the brewery mash, feed it to his hogs, and then the, and repeat the virtuous circle indefinitely. Uh, there's all there's all sorts of programs that are underway. They tend to be relatively limited. They're they're focused on uh, a particular restaurant or a particular farm. Some restaurants now, uh, and there are a number of cookbooks that are out there that says we're going to eat the whole hog, not not just the pieces that parts that we like, uh, and we're going to figure out ways of uh, you know preparing food and consuming food in, in ways that, uh, that we've not thought of before because waste for us was something easier to do and because we like particular types of, of food and we don't like others. So all sorts of other things that are there. How many of you are into insects? Insects are the new future in food waste, just for your information. Uh, all of us eat insects. I thought I'd tell you this and give you the bad news right off. Well, if you eat processed food, if you look very carefully on it, you will see that there's a small percentage of, of insects in, in, in the processed food. So even if you don't like eating a cricket straight up, um, all I can do is say there are probably pieces of crickets and all sorts of other things. Nothing from a health standpoint that's a problem. And as long as you don't see it, we can eat it. So at least those are some uh, of the ways of doing it. And by the way, the crickets are, are now the in thing um, uh, to uh, prepare to use food waste. You put the food waste down, you put all insects on top, uh, then you uh, remove the insects and you give the insects to, um, to, to animals. And so you can make animal feed out of it, or you can make all sorts of other products that are there too. So you've got lots of good things that are, that are coming along. Um, all right, now the largest source of food waste isn't the supermarket, it isn't the food producer, it isn't the farmer, uh, and it isn't uh, the restaurant, it is us. Uh, now, I don't mean us, none of us waste food. It is all those other people that are out there that are engaged in food waste. An estimated 37 to 38% of the food that is wasted in the United States is the consumer. So we waste food constantly because we have a refrigerator and because we have a closet, uh, a cupboard that we don't pay any attention to, we don't look at the uh, products that are in there. Our, our refrigerators have become enlarged. Do any of you remember the small refrigerators that many of us had in our youth where you could actually see everything that's in there? Uh, I have a hard time trying to figure out what's in the back of our refrigerator. <laughs> so the problem is we get too much food, we plunk it all away, we don't remember what we were supposed to do and do it. Now, there's good news, a smart refrigerator. Anybody have a smart refrigerator? Smart refrigerators now will use barcodes at least and will tell you where they will have a little notice on the refrigerator saying um, these products are nearing their expiration date. And by the way, here's five recipes that you can use them in. So, so you've got smart refrigerators that are coming along that um, I don't know. I, I was curious. I don't have one. And I was curious, hoping somebody would have one that could tell me that they're that they're a success. But at least the goal is to do that. And by the way, uh, those uh, there are all sorts of new systems of determining 
the expiration dates and best used by dates. And there are all systems in smart kitchens now that will not only tell you about what's in the refrigerator, but it will also tell you what's in the cupboard and when, when it needs to be used. And again, also providing recipes for it. So there, there are all sorts of things that are at least available to consumers, but we are the number one source of food waste uh, in the United States. Uh, it is not true that consumers are, are that uh, the number one problem in uh, developing countries, but that's the case. Now, some countries have eliminated food waste as close as possible. Korea, South Korea, which started on food waste uh, 30 years ago and began to work with it, uh, now uh, is down to uh, less than 3% of total food production is wasted. So they have made a massive program. Now, here's the problem. Uh, if you, as a consumer, have food, you have to put it into a bag and you have to go and you have to put it into a slot. Uh, there's little tables that are in, uh, that are in every city, little, little uh, mechanized systems. And if you put food in there, you have to pay for it. So everything that you waste has to be paid for. How many of you want to start paying for your food waste? Nobody's raising their hand. I don't understand this group. Did I talk about Korea? Did you, everybody you hear Korea? You accidentally muted yourself. Oh, sorry about that. That's I've okay. unmuted. All right. Uh, some countries have t almost totally eliminated food waste from all parts of the system, and, and Korea is an example of it. Uh, in Korea, uh, it's down to about like 3% of the total um, of what of total food is wasted uh, for consumers. It means taking a bag of whatever waste you have and putting it into a machine and the machine will charge you money. You have to pay for the food waste that you throw away. So the goal is to uh, do everything you can to prevent food waste and to use it in different ways. So all I can do is say some countries have been extremely successful and um, uh, Korea has been one, Japan is another, and there are other countries that have made a tremendous success. Somebody mentioned France and somebody mentioned uh, Germany has been a tremendous by, by far Denmark is incredible. Italy is making good progress. So there's lots of progress that's being made around the world. Um, all right, number one, uh, if you're a consumer, uh, how, how many of you actually make a list and follow the list when you go to the supermarket? Oh, some of you do. Uh, that is one way to at least avoid all the commercialism that is trying to convince you to buy something that you don't really want to begin with when you walk into the store. That's one system that you can do it. Obviously, using doggy bags is another way to do it. Um, and so there's all sorts of uh, mechanisms that are underway to uh, carry it out. Now, the latest thing in, uh, obviously, number one with food, what you want to do is give it to people in need. Uh, and uh, there are projects and programs around in virtually every community um, that if you have good food, uh, and particularly now with the uh, pandemic, uh, there is large amounts of need for food in, in the United States and trying to get food that is uh, good food that is getting to them before it's wasted would be something that would be extremely important to do. But secondly, not throwing it into the trash, which ends up uh, in uh, landfill would be the most second most important thing to do. Uh, you can buy uh, home composters that will actually make uh, some, some, some of them are now arguing for your, your uh, home 
uh, garden inside your home. So you can, you can convert it inside your home without a, a lot of smell, odor, or aroma, uh, and then use it in your home garden if you don't have uh, a place outside where you can use it. Uh, so there are all sorts of little programs and projects that are underway that can help prevent waste. Um, and so there are a lot of good things that are happening. So that's it. The number one problem, however, is overproduction. Uh, there is enough food produced in the United States to feed every single person in the United States, everybody in need, and have a massive amount of food left over. And because food uh, is, uh, you have so cheap and there's so much of it, uh, and by the way, we give a massive amount away, uh, depending on uh, the administration, uh, through food for peace programs to other countries as well. Again, there's no reason on why anybody in the United States, there's no reason from a production standpoint of anybody in the world being uh, hungry uh, and uh, suffering from malnutrition or starvation. The problem is there is no, uh, no good distribution system at this point. It's not production. Whether you like the industrial food system or not, it produces massive amounts of food. It is not how we produce it is the issue as much as it is how, how do we in fact distribute it. And we don't have that. The, Second thing is uh, uh, the environment is increasingly a problem. Um, it is extremely likely that environmental issues, not just caused by food waste, but by other issues, uh, will decrease the amount of food being produced in the world uh, during the next 30 years. And so I think we're going to have to become much smarter on how we don't deal with waste, both uh, not just in the United States, but in other countries as well. And three, I mentioned before, you can make money. Uh, so how many of you'd like to make money? Some of you didn't raise your hands before that. There is all sorts of projects and programs now that are underway that help people make money. Uh, there's, I have some students in my class that are making leather out of food waste. How many of you want to buy leather from food waste? It's in the top that you know, the top producers now of, um, of fashion are producing all sorts of things from food waste that none of us ever thought about. Uh, I don't know if it's productive to do that or if it's really financially viable. All I can say is lots of people are trying all sorts of things that are underway that are taking food waste or products that are food waste could have been wasted and producing other things with it. Um, so let me give a couple of quick examples before my cat jumps up on me. Um, so um, all I can do is say uh, bananas are a good example. The vast majority of bananas are wasted. How many of you throw out your banana skins? Banana skins are edible. There's no reason on why you can't eat them. Um, a, a good suggestion, just uh, one of my students wrote extensively about banana skins, uh, fry them up, just put, put them on the outside, put them into them, fry them up and give them a shot. Uh, but it isn't, just, uh, the, uh, it isn't just the skins that are edible. Uh, large amounts of bananas themselves are actually go to waste. Uh, there are thousands of things that you can do with uh, bananas that will uh, prevent them, uh, not prevent them from going to waste, but prevent you from wasting them and you can convert them into other products. So lots of things that are underway. Bananarama is an example of that. So I could talk on at length. The answer is lots of money uh, is now available. Uh, as I said, the federal government, uh, unlike many other things that are underway, is uh, strongly supporting uh, uh, food waste reduction projects and programs in the United States and virtually every other country. There's lots of movies. How many of you have seen uh, Wasted uh, with uh, Bourdain? 
Um, there's all sorts of movies that are out there. There are all sorts of books. Uh, and now all we need to do is begin to focus our attention and, and begin to reduce uh, food. Kathy, food wasting. Jacqueline Ottman said, can you talk a bit about community or solidarity fridges? Yeah. Uh, the, the, uh, anybody been to a community fridge? Uh, the community fridges uh, started off in, in other countries uh, and there were legal issues in the United States. Uh, there were actually um, people were arrested for putting out community fridge. Community fridges were a, uh, a fridge is put by with a business typically in front of a um, uh, restaurant or some other place. The restaurant, when they finish the evening, will have food left over so they can come and put that in there. And then anybody who wants to can come by and take it out. That became uh, a, a crisis in some communities. So the answer is you can put food in many of the community fridges. You can put it in, uh, it, but it has to be sealed and it has to be uh, in, in a container of some sort. You can put it in there, it has to be frozen and people can come by and take out what they want. So that way, if your refrigerator is full, it's filled with all sorts of things that is not past their expiration date, you can come and put the uh, food in it. Now, again, in the United States, there were some issues with that. And uh, to, to the best of my knowledge, uh, those uh, uh, have the legal issues have, have now uh, decreased in, in, in matter. And to the best of my knowledge, people, are, if you're very careful about putting the right type of food in that is not expired uh, and is edible, um, that um, those are very successful. New York City now has dozens of uh, community fridges that are out there that people who are responsible come in and check it. Uh, it's, it's an issue for many people. You can also engage uh, in dumpster diving. Anybody engage in dumpster diving? Uh, none of you engage in dumpster diving? Uh, some people have made an awful lot of money engaged in dumpster diving, uh, going behind supermarkets in particular. In New York, there's actually a group that takes, take you out and show you how to engage in dumpster diving. We'll bring the food back, we'll prepare the food and we'll give it free to anybody who comes. Uh, so uh, all sorts of things that are underway that uh, will, will help you help us reduce waste. Um, community fridges are a good example to me of a, of a great idea that uh, are now successful in many communities. Kathy? Okay, um, by the way, I think in reference to what you were just talking about, somebody saw that happening in Brooklyn with uh, allotment of fresh fruit and vegetables. Yes, there, in, in, uh, there are uh, a number of- Afrigans. Uh, they're, they're, the Freegans are, are the group that engage in dumpster diving uh, and other activities, and they will uh, sponsor meals. They will get foods, off, oftentimes is given to them by restaurants or by supermarkets. It can't be used uh, for whatever reason uh, that's good food, and they will then prepare the food, and they will then give it to other people. So the Freegans have been around for almost 50 years now, uh, and they've been doing the best they can to take food uh, and, and make sure that people who are in need do it. There, there are a large number of people who have lived their, live their life by not buying anything from supermarkets or stores or restaurants, and they just go and dumpster dive and just get the food and eat it. They prepare it, go for it. Kathy? Okay, would changes in the production support systems, i.e. payments to farmers, help reduce overproduction? Guilty consumers take the onus off producers? Uh, I, I, think I understood the first part of the question, so let me answer that. Overproduction is the major cause for food waste. If you produce X number of food and you only have 
wide number of, of food being consumed, you're going to have you're going to have something left over, and you got to do something with that. So, so that's why we have food waste now. Uh, the main reason is the system that changed. Uh, Roosevelt created a system that paid farmers not to grow food. How many of you think that's a good idea? Paying mm -hmm. farmers not to grow food. So for a period of about uh, almost 40 years, farmers were paid money if they did not grow and raise food. Uh, in the 1970s, when you had the Arab oil uh, boycott, uh, the Nixon administration came along and said, that's wrong. Uh, now food prices are sky high. What you really need to do is have all the farmers grow as much as they possibly can so we can lower the cost on food. Uh, and so what we're going to do is we're going to, at least for some foods, we're going to uh, give farmers a guarantee that if you grow so much uh, grain, you will be given X amount of that for that. So I've got to get my cap down. Uh, so I'm sorry, he gets excited uh, in front of cameras. He loves cameras. Uh, so, so the answer is you've shifted now so that farmers uh, will know how certain farmers growing certain products will know exactly how much money they will make uh, per, per uh, uh, whatever the product is that they're serving. They will know how much before they plant it. So therefore, if they think they're going to make money, they will plant as much as they possibly can. And the federal government will then make it up by price supports. So you have lots of systems that are currently there that encourage farmers to produce more. And historically, when you're in a period of time, when you're in a period where food prices are high, uh, that's an issue. But now what do you do with the extra food that comes out, particularly grains, for instance, only certain foods fall into uh, that uh, uh, the, the amount of the, that, that program. Um, uh, but what do you do with the extra food? Uh, and the answer is, let's make ethanol out of it. How many of you want to make ethanol out of uh, grains? Uh, massive amounts of grains in the United States that are, that are edible, that are, that are grown in the United States, in fact, uh, are, are made to produce ethanol. And ethanol is supposedly the uh, fuel of the future that is um, uh, something that can be reused and can be um, can be grown so that you didn't, it's not like gasoline that's once it's gone, it's gone oil. So there's lots of reasons on why, but ethanol is the, is, is one of the reasons on why farmers are making money because they're producing money. They're producing food that could be eaten by humans, but there's no, nobody out there to buy it or, or eat it. So they're producing uh, ethanol out of it. I'm sorry, the, this is my first presentation on Zoom. So all I can do is say I'm learning a lot on how to do this. So that's it. Kathy, question. Uh, you were going to talk about COVID. Oh, yes. Uh, the, the, what, what is fascinating about the pandemic is uh, you have a, a, a global system of food. You may think uh, it's your local farmer that's producing your farm and, and if you intentionally just base your uh, food purchases on local farms. That's great. But the food system is global. Uh, and uh, it means that food that often ends up in supermarkets has gone through 40 to 50 different hands from the time that it is produced in another country from the time that it ends up on your shelf or ends up on your plate. So how that process is in fact going on is, is global in nature. And, uh, and, it's, and it's an issue because you have no idea in many cases where the food was produced. You have no idea 
what it's gone through during that period of time. There are lots of issues, particularly with seafood. Uh, you don't really know where the seafood came from. In many cases, Americans don't even know what seafood they're eating. Uh, so you have all sorts of other issues that are connected with that. So you have a transportation system that's, that is global, that is, uh, that is a large part of our food system. And it's not just the food that comes into the United States, it's the food that's exported. And again, as you, I'm sure you all know, food is the number one export from the United States to other countries. Once you had the pandemic come along, you have problems with the transportation system because you have no idea if you're going to get to a port, whether in fact your ship is going to be able to get, your container ship is going to be able to get in. You have no idea whether it's going to be able to unload. You have no idea if it is unloaded, whether you're going to have trucks that are going to be able to pick your container up and move it on. So there's been a huge crisis in the global transportation system. And uh, one of the good pieces on the uh, pandemic is um, that, uh, that those who are in charge, those who are engaged in international trade and the transportation system are trying to figure out better solutions on how to deal with those issues. So that's one issue. The second thing is, again, I don't know about your markets, but here in St. Thomas, um, there, there's virtually everything that you want is available, but it, it may not be available next week. Uh, and so it may be available a month from now, but so you have shelves that are empty, but lots of, lots of food, there's no, there's no crisis with regard to that, but you can't easily get the transportation operating in terms of getting food into supermarkets and getting them uh, then into your home. So that's one issue. The second issue, of course, is large numbers of people are unemployed and they need they're in need of food, uh, and so you have a tremendous need and a tremendous increase in uh, in those food programs, that food banks, for instance, and other projects and programs that are going to help people who are in need of food get the food. So you've got massive amounts of food that are being produced, uh, and you have major problems on getting it to the people who are in need. So again. The system now is not production. The problem in the major system is distribution. And the pandemic has caused greater problems in distribution than have been there before. So um, I, I, the good news is, I think, it's assuming the pandemic is, is over in six months, as some people project, uh, I think uh, we've learned a lot uh, on how to improve the, foods, the global food system. So that at least many of the issues that um, many of us are worried about uh, can easily be um, dealt with after after the pandemic is over. Another question or comment, Kathy? Uh, well, early on, just as an aside, somebody said they run a website called wehatetowaste.com. Yes. No, it's yes. not really a question. It's more of a, it's a comment. And yeah. the number one thing people around the world hate to see go to waste is food. Yeah. Unless, of course, they're local and they think it's expired food and then they throw it away. But that's so, my statement. Again, I have a, a bibliography of, of more than a thousand pages, which describes every group that I know of. But there is no day that goes by without me finding out many groups that I was not aware of. There are literally tens of thousands of groups that are trying to work on this that are local. Many of them are local, some are national, some are international. And they're all trying to do the best that they possibly can to help the system get beyond the pandemic at current time, but also figure out a better distribution system that's there. 
So uh, all I can do is say I'm more than willing to share information I have. Uh, and um, if you have additional information or any corrections, that would be great too. Oh, and by the way, somebody observed that your cat spent most of this time cleaning itself. It must be one of more clean cats around. Uh, no, all cats do that. That's that's <laughs> part of their job. Uh, they want to make sure it's very clear that's that's his role. Uh, and he, he points out to me that I've not uh, certain areas that I've missed, and so he makes sure that they're that they're cleaned as well. So he does a good job on that. I, I love this topic on on food waste and. All I can do is say it's connected with every single thing that we can think of in the food system, and it gives different insight into it. Uh, and all I can do is say it's a good way to look at the food system uh, because it deals with production, it deals with distribution, it deals with those that are not in that system, it deals with uh, issues of environment, it deals with um, issues of, uh, of poverty, it deals with issues of not making money. And as I said, there are literally hundreds, if not thousands of projects underway around the world to use products that would typically be wasted to, to make other products, some of which are edible and some of which aren't. Uh, and at least I'm, I'm excited about those uh, programs and efforts that are underway. Uh, and that's what keeps me going even after the uh, production of that book. By the way, I'd like to point out there was a lot of people offering sources and names yes. of things in the in the chat that weren't really questions. But if people want to copy that so you can reference it later or read it later, there's those three little dots at the bottom. If you click on that, it gives you an opportunity to save it. And Andy, I will give you a copy anyway, because when Thank we're you. finished, I get a copy. Did, did I mention there's a really great book out? Um, <laughs> um, I, I, I thought I just mentioned this in passing. I nope. loved writing this. As I said, I'm continuing to work on this. I, I, um, this is something that will probably be for the rest of my life, something that I will be spending time on. It's just a tremendous, me, a tremendous topic. And as I said, there's nothing in the food system that this doesn't deal with, and it's a good way to deal with it. Nobody is in favor of wasting food. And so at least you have a lot of people that want to give um, support and want to give interest. And there's a lot of money that's available by foundations and by government agencies. So I encourage anybody that's interested, you can you can look at this and uh, create projects. And many of my students, by the way, are developing projects. Many of the students in other universities have great projects underway to feed people, to compost, um, and to feed animals, and to do the best they can to prevent waste. So it's it's something that um, that anybody can can help and, and everybody can work with. Kathy. Okay, uh, there's a comment. What or question? What role? What role is the production and consumption of organic food play in food waste? Um, uh, organic food um, is it's got the same problems. I mean, what it's still there's it, it doesn't make any difference whether uh, organic food is in your refrigerator or it's not in your refrigerator. If it's not, if you don't use it, you don't use it. But part of the part of the good news is it costs a little more. So therefore, when food costs a little more, we tend to pay more attention to it, uh, strange as that is. Uh, and I, 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 I would be delighted to, to uh, have, have a, a wonderful lecture on organic food, which I strongly support, uh, and I think it's great. Uh, do I think it can ever uh, come close to the production uh, of industrial agriculture? And the answer is no. That, that doesn't mean that there aren't problems with industrial agriculture, but it's not organic. But uh, it does mean that there, we need to fairly and honestly look at 
many of the parts of our food system that all of us have argued for. Uh, so um, I, I, I strongly suggest that uh, organic food is great. I like it, um, but um, it isn't necessarily the solution to everything. Kathy? Yeah, um, the question was, will you speak about putting food in the ground? Food in the ground? Oh, well, uh, if, if, anybody, if you've been to a, a, one of these far, large farms, I, I encourage everybody to do that. I don't know if this, this is what the person who asked the question want, uh, but uh, they are now totally mechanized. Uh, there is a machine that goes by that puts the food in the ground that operates on satellite uh, production and, and system. The person in the cab, if you look at them, they could be reading a book. They don't even have to guide it. Uh, and these, there's now satellite system for determining what parts of crops uh, need water. There's uh, now a system in operation in farms to say, this area's got an insect infestation, so you don't have to put pesticide everywhere. You can just put it in this area over here. And um, the machines that they have in agriculture will just put the, you know, put the pesticide or herbicide in place where they need it. So uh, there's a lot of incredible high-tech uh, underway that uh, is now on large farms um, that um, is, is uh, interesting and appears, appears to me to be uh, certainly uh, things that will do more production and will keep costs down. Yeah. Uh, th this person clarified their question about putting food in the ground. They meant for preserving foods as in times past. Oh, yeah, you can put food in the ground. Nobody's ever put food in the ground. Uh, how many of you have had kimchi? From, That's right, uh, right, right. Kimchi is, is, is historically no longer. <laughs> you literally put it in the ground for 30 days uh, so that it would... Uh, uh, you put that in the ground and that's what you get above it. So, and if you, and the, the people who really love the food in the ground are the uh, anthropologists because they can go to a large number of prehistoric sites and to find out the food that people were consuming. They put it in the ground and they either walked away or forgot, forgot about it or had some other problem that came up. And so uh, one of the ways that you can do it is it keeps food cool. Uh, it keeps it water away, depending on how you preserve it. Uh, and uh, it's there uh, so that you don't have to you know, find a, a, another storage place. So it's, it's just one way that people had uh, to uh, preserve food for a long time. Kathy? Uh, in the Virgin Islands, do you get locally grown food? Uh, not a lot. Uh, there are farms on uh, St. Croix um, and there are some farms on uh, St. Thomas. Uh, they do have um, farmers markets. Uh, during about two months of the year, but uh, the food uh, production is, is relatively minimal on St. Thomas. Uh, lots of coconuts naturally, uh, and there's some, some foods that are, that are easily grown everywhere, uh, but nothing like what you would expect at a farmer's market uh, in the United States. Great. Any other questions? Kathy, can, can, this is Scott. Can you hear me? Yes. Hi, Scott. Hi, uh, Andy. You're you're in the Virgin Islands right now in St. Yes. Thomas. Yes. Uh, any plans on coming back to New York? Or uh, we had plans to go back to New York nine months ago. Oh yeah. Okay. <laughs> uh, right now we've decided that it's in our self-interest to remain here for another couple months. Not so um, at, at this point, uh, I mean, we came for for the winter last year and uh, we will certainly be here through March. 
uh, obviously depending on what happens. Uh, we're elderly and um, we have um, health issues, so it's better for us to uh, be safe here. So, well, you, so you, far, you that's sure, our choice. You sure don't look immunocompromised, so you, 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 you look great. Oh, yeah. thank you, Scott. You say that to everybody. I know. <laughs> no, I don't. There's usually silence when I when I see somebody who doesn't look uh, like you do. So, uh, do, do, uh, what? Anything planned for another book coming up? Um, I'm working on a peanut book. Peanut. Oh, but this is Peanuts Three or Peanuts. Peanuts Two. Peanuts Two. Yeah, it's the first peanut book was focused on peanuts in the United States. This one's focused on peanuts around the world. And how it affected history, the world's history. Yeah. That's oh, yeah. Exactly what it is. Yeah. yeah your other and I like peanuts. Pardon me? I like peanuts. I do too. I'm, I'm shell shocked over them. Allergies? No, I just said shell shocked. That was a. a oh, I got it. It took me a while here. I'm slow. I'm sorry, that was a peanut joke. I, I didn't crack that one too. I well. can use that one. Wait a minute, give me a couple more. Okay, I'll 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 think them up, but and I'll I'll email them to you. I, Andy is mad at me because I haven't been including him on my email joke list. So uh, you'll get <laughs> one right after this. Uh, and, and but but thank you. This has been wonderful. And I think again, I think this is the twelfth time you've talked before the culinary historians in the last uh, 25 years, uh, you, you helped help launch us. Uh, so, uh, and, and we, we, we can't get enough of you. So uh, you're, you're our most a, prolific and promiscuous speaker. I, 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 I'm getting to learn how to do a Zoom presentation. So I've learned a lot on this and I thank you for inviting me. Yeah. By the way, I just wanted to point out my very first meeting that I ever attended with culinary historians was your very first meeting back in September 1995 on ketchup. So this is 26 years then. Yeah, but 25 years is, well, no, 25 years ago, 1995 is, right now we're 2020. Yeah. Well, whatever, yeah. forget the math. But in any case, my first meeting was coming to one of yours, and I did bring with me a, a, a grape ketchup. A ketchup book? Yeah, it was your ketchup book. And I brought with me the grape ketchup because it was the period of time when I was very enthusiastically canning, and I didn't like to let things go to waste. So I had the pulp and everything left over for making jelly, and I made the grape uh ketchup you know it was at the period of time when i you know the only thing i threw away was the seed yeah, you don't even have to throw away the seeds seeds are good you eat seeds the grape yeah. seed wow okay anyway i just wanted you to know we are on this parallel universe anyway thank you so much andy and i know thank that's you. what scott was saying uh, as i said i've learned a lot thank you thank you and we're all learning this Zoom thing. So uh, up, upward and onward, we'll continue Zooming. And we look forward to Zoom you again sometime in the future. And by the way, we're 27 years old. And you you started speaking for us when we were, uh, I think, 25 years. Uh, two, two. Two years old. So so keep, 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 keep up with it for the next 25 years. So thank you. Thank again. you. I've got those that are interested in food waste. I'm more than willing to share um, my my bibliography. 
and it's got everything that I know as of today. It changes every day, but I'm um, more than willing to share it. Just email me. Hi, okay, are you going to give them my email address? Or yeah, it's it's in the body, and I I can do it again right now. Um, see. Yeah, no, it's it's it's. It, I gave it twice because some okay. people came late and didn't catch it. Um, and if you could always email, and I'll put a link with that offer into the email into the um, on our website. So if you don't catch it now, you can catch it later. Catch, oh, and, you're gonna catch up later. <laughs> <laughs> and by the way, I was laughing to myself driving 25 miles into Chicago to see to go to a program and catch up. But you did such a marvelous job. I was hooked for the last 25 years. Thank you. Thank, Thank you, Kathy, to us. Thank you, you everybody. Good. Be night. good. Good, Be night. good everybody. Good night.